0: What's up, everyone? It's Brian Horning here with Exact IT Solutions. I have my co-host, Reginald Andre, down in Miami, Florida from ArcSolvers. How are you today, sir? I'm doing well. Yourself? I'm doing well. Welcome to episode 23 of Security Squawk Podcast, where we talk about the business side of cybersecurity, so we can help you, your employees, and just anybody out there get smarter about The things that are going on around cybersecurity. Uh, And if you've been living, unless you've been living under a rock, you know that things are heating up in that world with cybersecurity. Uh, I'm sure you know about the Colonial Pipeline hack. It was pretty much on every news channel for at least two or three days. Um, And it probably has gotten the most coverage out of anything because why because it affected something that Americans are in love with, which is gasoline, cars and oil, right? So, so today we're going to dive into a little bit about the kind of the after effects of what's come out of from the Colonial Pipeline attack. And that is our our trusty friends over in the government, our, our president and Uh, other elected officials, congressmen, senators, mostly congressmen, I haven't heard too much about senators around this kind of stuff, are moving towards actually attempting to do something about uh, cybersecurity and maybe try to make things a little bit better. So we're gonna dive into uh, an article that we found that highlights some of the things that the Biden administration has has put out there. but before we do, Andre, do we get paid for this podcast? No, we don't.
1: And how do we promote this podcast? We just ask to simply like, share, and comment. So like, share, and
0: subscribe. We, we are over on YouTube. We also broadcast this live onto Facebook. Um, but more importantly, if you're listening to us as a podcast, which we hope you are, and you're downloading us on iTunes, on uh, Google Podcasts. We're on Audible. We're on Spotify. Uh, we're pretty much anywhere where you can download a podcast. First off, we thank you for 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 listening to us during your car ride, during your uh, your exercise, your workout, your walk, whatever you're doing right now while you're listening to us. If you could take 15 to 30 seconds of your life and just head over to that platform. Give us five stars and maybe drop a comment to give other people context as to why they should listen to this channel. Um, Andre and I make a really hard effort to not talk about tech stuff on this channel and try to make it relatable to the average everyday person. Uh, Whether you own a business or you work in a business, this affects you and we try to break it down for you so you understand how you could be a victim of one of these cyber criminals and what you can do to help prevent your company or even yourself being hit with things like ransomware, right? So Andre, what's ransomware in case people don't know? I still meet people who are like, like I I mentioned ransomware and I think
1: everybody knows what ransomware is but they're like, what the hell is ransomware? So what's ransomware? So ransomware in the simplest forms is, a, um, is when your computer, you try to open up a program, you try to open up a Word document, Excel spreadsheet, whatever the case is. And when you open it up, it's going to X's and O's and more than likely it's going to have something that says read me. And when you open it, it's going to tell you that we have locked all of your files. You cannot uh, access it. And if you don't pay us within, uh, first you have to pay us and if you don't pay us within a certain amount of time, you'll never get your data back. And we'll also publish it out in the dark web. Nice. Not nice, but
0: right. that was a nice description. of it.
1: Um,
0: I guess the other thing too is, is um, not only does it lock your files, but a lot of times your programs that need to run on your systems need certain files to to make it work, right? right? And it's possible that the ransomware could encrypt those like supporting files, which ultimately means your programs won't run, right? They won't start up. Um, I've even seen ransomware where uh, the executable file that runs programs gets garbled, and you know it doesn't know it doesn't know how to properly execute the program. So I've seen that too. So it's not just data; it can also be software. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it hampers your business. It it, it puts you at a, at a standstill uh, for you know doing business and conducting business. That's why you see all these crazy payouts, millions or tens of millions of dollars to get things back uh, up and running. Uh, and I guess we should mention double extortion too, because people are you know might think, well, you know, I have backups, or you know, I don't really care if. You know, I get ransomware. I don't really have anything that important. Um, what's double extortion? Just quickly educate our our audience on what double extortion is when it comes to ransomware.
1: Yeah. So they're essentially trying to get the money from you, the person who had the data. And then they're also trying to get the, and they're trying to also get paid from the end user who, who doesn't want their data out in the public.
0: Yeah. And they also steal it. So that's, you know, the other important thing is like they they take the data right from your system. So they take it first then they encrypt it. And a lot of times people think, well, I'm not going to pay these guys. Uh, but then they'll use that data or something within that data to extort. You know, they'll use that information to extort you. So fun things. But if you don't know what ransomware is, you don't know what double extortion is, that's that's what it is. So um so let's go. Let's just jump right into it. Um, I'll pull up uh, an article that we found uh, on the screen here, and um, we'll jump into talking about what the Biden administration has proposed uh, for strengthening U.S. cybersecurity. Um, so this is one that it's on our one of our favorite websites, MSSP Alert. Um, And and it's uh, billions of dollars would be allocated to upgrade the nation's cybersecurity defenses and modernize networks should President Biden's 2 trillion infrastructure proposal uh, to secure the nation's critical systems gain congressional approval. The American Jobs Plan, as the White House has named the measure, would see funding directed to improve energy infrastructure at the state and local levels to secure the power grid, improve cyber defenses, update technology, expand broadband, and other advances. Now, I knew about the American jobs plan before the Colonial Pipeline attack, right? So it seems to me that this is maybe a little skewed in terms of its reporting, right? Because... It says $2 trillion, right? But that's mixed in with a whole lot of other things. Right. Right. So um, because he, I believe he ran on infrastructure, right? That he was going to build infrastructure or help with infrastructure. That was one of the big things he was going to use to improve the economy. Right. Um, So how do you feel about, the cybersecurity uh, improvement plan being kind of mixed in with
1: the American Jobs Plan. Well, I think is <laughs> what's going to happen is, especially with these type of big bills, is you obviously have different sites and everybody's going to want to put in something for their state or for their community, and right. I think it's just gonna it's just gonna make this go longer. Uh, there should have just been something like, guys. We have a huge cybersecurity issue. American Jobs Act is is one thing, but we have a cybersecurity act that we need to form and we need to just push through and get it done. Um, because I think this is just gonna take, you know, the Senate, the Congress, and, and all of this politics is gonna be in there. And at the end of the day, it's it's gonna just prolong everything. Right, because these are known
0: as, as pork bills, right? And pork is essentially what you take home to your constituents, right? Right, right. So every congressperson is going to be angling to get their, you know, their constituents or their, their district, you know, money for this, you know, and it's going to come in the form of like, you know, you know, a handout, it's going to come in the form of like, well, Hey, we have this military base or, you know, this, you know, uh, oil refinery or this uh, electrical uh, produce, producing entity, whether it's you know gas, nuclear, solar. And there's going to be a lot of fighting over $2 trillion. And at the end of the day in this country, in today's day and age, $2 trillion doesn't really get you very far. Um, so I would kind of be for a separate plan, like you mentioned, that doesn't include this being packaged in with a lot of other really expensive things. Uh, maybe as we move down in here, it'll kind of say how much is actually going to be uh, going to be put out there. Um, but on, at first look, um, I don't like the idea that they're packaging this up with the American Jobs Plan because I also know that because this is a Biden initiative, it's going to meet resistance from the other side um and my fear is is that nothing gets done yeah that they'll they don't you know they they, like you said the politics comes into play but not only the politics of like dividing the money up between the districts but the politics of we don't want this president to get this win under his belt you Mm -hmm. know like we know that that's a thing in this country so um you know i i think on our last podcast recording i kind of drew a comparison to something like this and gun control like when when we t- when we talk about gun control in this country and you know the things that when people come out of out of the woodwork and say we need to do something we need to do something right after usually a mass shooting and then really nothing gets done i mean um, I don't know. I think the last one, and I don't want to go too deep into this, but I think the last one was the shooting in Florida, if, if I'm not mistaken. Like the last big one that caused a major national uproar. Am I off on that or is my is my memory serving me correct? No,
1: you're right. You're right.
0: Right. And then I remember like the, the parents and, and and the kids that went to school there, they got a platform for a few weeks to – Kind of rally up people and, and get people behind their cause, and I really don't hear from those people too much anymore. And I don't think anything's been done uh, at the national level or in Florida as
1: a as a result of that. Am I am I off on that either? Yeah, there there there's <laughs> some people got fired, but other than that, yeah, it's you know nothing have- changed law wise with guns in Florida yeah, exactly. or anything like that, right? So. <laughs>
0: I just think that this is going to kind of end up in the same bucket that once everybody forgets about colonial, nobody really ran out of gas um, until somebody's power goes out again, or uh, you know, they can't get gas or they you know, their vacations are, are, are threatened by some kind of cyber attack. Um, you know, I, and the crazy thing is, is like, to me is like, SolarWinds from an impact level was a bigger hack than the colonial, you know, in hindsight. Right. Mm -hmm. But there wasn't nearly the coverage around SolarWinds that the colonial pipeline got. Like to me, the colonial pipeline just got a ton of press. And like we saw, I saw cybersecurity being talked about on channels that I never saw it talked about on before. And the SolarWinds didn't get that kind of cash, right? They, they, the SolarWinds hack got some news, some press, but it, you know, where you might get a few days with the Colonial Pipeline on say like the national ABC six o'clock news or NBC six o'clock news. Um, the SolarWinds one maybe got like one day for like 30 seconds. Right. Mm-hmm. It was like a quick, like, here's what happened, blah, 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 boom, 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 and then it was over. Now, if you follow the solar wind stuff, you're actually finding out more today than we knew back then, right? They just came out and said with solar winds that they were in the systems a lot longer than initially thought before, right? They they thought they were in there for you know back in the spring of 2020, and then and then they thought it was early. 2020 maybe 2019 and now they're back to january 2019 is when they believe at this point the initial breach happened so wow. we're talking over a year that these these cyber criminal actors were in the SolarWinds network planning you know to put these back doors into SolarWinds software yeah um And we're also finding out that it wasn't an intern who left a bad password on GitHub. It was, uh, you know, they they, they got in a different way. And, you know, it wasn't because it was SolarWinds123 was the password. And I think a lot of people believe that. So uh, I'm here to correct the record. Um, So cybersecurity is a core part of resilience and building infrastructure of the future. And the American Jobs Plan will allocate opportunities and resources to bolster cyber defenses. The White House said in a fact sheet outlining the proposal's basic elements, the jobs plan summary draft follows the president's executive order on cybersecurity of May 12, 2021. So here we go. Administration officials told Bloomberg that the jobs plan is part of a larger initiative to bring cyber issues to the forefront at the federal level. While the administration did not disclose how much money in total would be directed at cybersecurity in the infrastructure bill, here's what's known about the proposal at this point. $20 billion investment in Department of Energy block grants at the state and local and tribal government levels to support critical infrastructure. The modernization blocks would be tied to installing cybersecurity technology.
1: So... What does that mean to you? Hey, they're going to be uninstalling TeamViewer and using some real stuff, right? <laughs> well, that's funny. Why do you
0: say that? Let's let's go back to why do you say that?
1: Yeah, because we uh, although this is talking about energy, but we know um, up in Tampa, Florida, we had a um, a water facility, and the way their employees were remoting into the systems was with a com- with a commercial product called TeamViewer, which in itself is a you know, legit program, but the way you manage a water facility remotely is not with a program with TeamViewer. It, there has to be much better um, security put in place and, and there's just better ways of doing it. So so hopefully with this investment, um, cybersecurity professionals and, and contractors will be able to um, come in and essentially take all of that out and put better better plans in place for them right and
0: and and the, the energy system in this country is still for the most part privately run. So the states would have to will be the ones who and the state and local governments would be the ones to best determine how this money is allocated and spent. Um, I don't know if I disagree with that. Um, I also just don't have a warm and fuzzy when I hear it's got to go from federal to state to local I just know how the government works and yeah I don't trust it. Um, so you know I just see a lot of waste you know happening if it can't come direct if it can't go direct from the federal government to the people that need it. Um, hopefully that's how it is i I, I do like the way that they handled PPP and IDLE, And I think that this could be handled in a similar way where it gets the federal government, identi- uses the states and local governments to identify people in need, but they are the ones who actually distribute the funds to direct to the, to the end user. Um, but yes, we do have to shore up cybersecurity at the Department of Energy level to make sure you know, our energy grid, our power, our our you know, our fuel sources don't get affected by cyber criminals. Yeah. Um so moving to the next point, which is a hundred billion broadband investment to promote network security, grant recipients would be asked to source from trusted vendors and implement cybersecurity that maps to Biden's executive order. So <clears throat> Here's my issue, I like how they say trusted vendors. Um, Big shout out to MSP, SSP alert for for kind of presenting it this way, right? Because who really is a trusted vendor? Who's to say that this vendor is, is somebody that we can trust, that we know that they build their hardware and software properly Or that it's been vetted enough that we know that this, the chances of them having some kind of exploitable vulnerability in their product is very minimal. Um, That to me is what a trusted vendor would would qualify as. But who's to say that? Who has the expertise to evaluate that? And who's to say that that is what they're talking about here? You know, does trusted vendor mean whoever the government likes because they donate to their political fund? Um, You know, there's a lot of questions that I ask here based on trusted vendors because I'm going to break it to you right now. A lot of the most popular trusted companies that are out there are constantly putting out products every single day that have vulnerabilities in them that can be exploited right so
1: yeah.
0: you know i'm not saying that this is true but let's just use a name like cisco right cisco could be considered a trusted vendor yet we know that cisco has products that are constantly being released you know usually updated at some point but they release products that they know have vulnerabilities in them and and they've either made a determination determination that that vulnerability is not um, uh, bad enough for them to do anything about, or they're just going to put out an advisory letting people know that this vulnerability exists and we're really not going to do anything about it. It's on you to configure your network in a certain way so this vulnerability can't be exploited. Yeah. So what's your take on, you know, a hundred billion dollar investment to promote network security.
1: It, there's two words here. It's it, and I'm going to say the words is investment, and then the other word when you said is on you. So, the that it, and for me, that the way I'm reading this is the government is going to throw a lot of money, but what standards? And I understand that there's not one size that can fit all because you can't, you know, it, it just doesn't work that way. But yeah is the government going to say, when we give you this money, these are the minimum standards and the minimum standards are going to be like super high up here of things that you have to do, or are they just throwing money to just think that they're solving a problem? Um, another thing, as we said, trusted vendor and on you. So going to, on the smaller phases, the people that's actually going to be implementing this, it's our industry is not regulated. Anybody can just go on Sunbiz, which is the Florida department um, for to do state licenses pay 150 dollars say I'm a computer repair IT expert and I have a business then print out business cards and I think that's gonna that is gonna come up so much. It's kind of like when they started to do um, the new version of the, of the of the of the of the like the food stamp program and then all of a sudden you had waves of for people that was feeding. Um, kids during the summer. And then there was so much fraud because the government was basically th- paying per student. But then what was turning out was that the students weren't even coming to get the food and they were throwing out the food and things like that. And all they was just trying to do was get the government money. So I can also see this where we're going to have a lot of new uh, quote unquote competitors come in, coming after that hundred billion dollars that's being spent out there or whatever the dollar amount is.
0: Yeah. I'm not worried about the competitors so much than that i'm worried about the really big companies who just give a lot of money to politicians yeah winning this winning these uh grants right so um i'm a big proponent and i've and i've mentioned this to you of instituting a um everybody's familiar with ul or ul listed right that means a product that basically uses electricity that you plug in a wall uh, has been vetted by UL and they put their stamp on it or their seal of approval that this meets the standards set forth within the electronics and and consumer products industry. Right. So it means mm-hmm. when you plug this device into the wall, it's not going to catch your house on fire. It's not going to blow up. You know, it, it meets the standards Uh, that it's met. And I believe that we need to have something similar in the United States where somebody vets these products that these vendors are putting out to make sure that it meets some level of security, uh, you know, so that people, when people go to the store and buy things, I, I believe that there's an implied, you know, thought process that people are buying goods, products that are not going to cause them to get hacked. Right? Mm-hmm. And that's not the case. Like Andre and I are here to tell you that when you buy these products that connect to your network at home, whether it be cameras, smart white bulbs, smart everything, you know, they make smart blinds and shades now, right? They make smart, what else do they make smart? of? I don't know, TVs, they make smart refrigerators, they make smart um, washing machines. Um, all this stuff has to be connected to your Wi-fi or your network and these are all things that can eventually be hacked right so mm-hmm. like one of the big things that I hate about televisions is they build them they with all these smart apps in them, they put them out to market and within less than two years they stop supporting any updates or anything like that on these devices so like, I bought a Samsung TV two years ago mm-hmm. and Samsung, no, no, I bought it four years ago. And about two years ago, Samsung stopped updating the TV altogether. Like I haven't gotten updates to it. If I go to the menu and try to update it, it says your, your TV's running the latest firmware. And the date on that firmware is 2019. Wow. Right. So that they move, they stop like, People get mad at me when I call them up and I say, "Hey, Microsoft, your operating systems end of life. You have to replace your your computer, your server, you know, or your or the hardware, the computer you bought um, five years ago is no longer supported by the manufacturer. You have to buy a new computer." People get mad at me because of that. If they knew that their compute, that their TVs that they're buying, that they're spending 15000 dollars on, you know, you buy a brand new top of the line. You know 65 75 85 inch tv today you're paying three grand or more and Mm -hmm. they're gonna stop maintaining that tv in a year and that's and that's the reality so that's what i'm talking about in terms of like we need to have some kind of overseeing body like ul does for electricity and consumer products and make sure that these these bodies are saying, okay, yeah, this vendor puts out quality products that meet our standards, and they continue to update their products through the end of life. And when they stop updating them, there should be some kind of bulletin or some kind of notice that goes out to the owner saying, basically, your TV is never going to be updated again.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And that's where we need to get to with this stuff because – People think that the stuff that they buy in the store, they can just go buy, connect it to their network, and they never have to worry about it again. And that's not the case. They have to update these devices on a regular basis or hackers are going to start taking advantage of this.
1: Yeah. Anything you want to add to that? No. Um, it, it's. I just hope, as we're talking about this, that someone has common sense and says we got to take We got to press on the cybersecurity separate, but I just unfortunately don't Mm. see
0: it. And then it's going to go on. Tax credits as an incentive to reward the build-out of at least 20 gigawatt high-voltage capacity power lines that will encourage stronger cybersecurity capabilities. Huh? What? Say what? (laughs) The tax credit is drawn up to help finance cyber technologies for the electric grid. The electric grid that's private, right? (laughs) What the hell does 20 gigawatts of high voltage capacity power lines have anything to do with cybersecurity capabilities? Don't know. I don't know either, but I'm going to have to look into that one. Um, You know, one of the things, and I'm just going to be a little cynical here. One of the things that I get concerned about when I see legislation Joe Biden, love him or hate him, knows nothing about cybersecurity. Right. Right. And most Congress people know nothing about cybersecurity. Right. Mm -hmm. But the Colonial Pipeline hack happens. And I don't know how many days it was after the Colonial Pipeline hack. Let's say it was a week. I don't even think it was that long. But like, You're telling me Joe Biden, who knows nothing about cybersecurity, probably doesn't even know how to turn on a computer. (laughs) It was able to have on the ready an EO for cybersecurity right after the Colonial Pipeline hack. Right. Do you find that kind of funny? Yeah, that's... Well, that's because... The people who donate to political parties and the people who have interest or the people who see free money on the table are the ones who write this stuff. Mm -hmm. Joe Biden didn't sit there and write a cybersecurity executive order. Right. Somebody else wrote that for him, gave it to him or his staff, and they said, oh, this looks sounds good. This is what we're going to roll with. And that's literally how it goes down. And it's not just this administration. This happens in every single administration. And the tax credits thing here, this just reeks to me of something that was created by the power companies to get more of this bill favored towards them than anybody else. Yep. So good. I'm glad we agree on that. Um, but yeah, I mean, that I don't understand what the build out of at least 20 gigawatts of high voltage capacity power lines means. I guess it means like if it's that big, it can't be knocked offline as easily. Maybe if it's lower, it can be knocked offline easier. I, I don't know. I'm definitely going to look into that and maybe I'll update us on, on our next podcast recording because I know nothing about that, but this this line seems a little odd to me. Um, and again, $2 billion to support microgrids and distributed energy infrastructure for grid resilience in areas with high risk of power outages critical infrastructure and frontline communities, the funding is contingent on meeting certain cybersecurity requirements. I don't know. This kind of backs up what I just said. It sounds like this was written by people who are very involved in the power companies. Yeah. So um, I'm getting more and more cynical and disheartened by this as I read it, because to me, this isn't, a very well-thought-out cybersecurity plan. This is like, well, we know that these power companies don't do a good job of cybersecurity, so let's just give them a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. And, you know, hopefully they'll do the right thing with it. Um, Biden's infrastructure plan is an addition to the $1 billion allocated to modernize technology and upgrade security in the federal government network contained in the recently passed $1.9 trillion COVID stimulus measure. Some $650 million to support the Cybersecurity Infrastructure and Security Agency is included in the legislation. More than $2 billion in discretionary funding to CISA is line item in the president's fiscal year 2022 proposed budget request. Um, that's just a lot of speak for we already gave CISA money in the COVID-19 bill. It also was on the heels of the Solar Winds attack. Um, and again, very reactionary, in my opinion. Um, hopefully, we can start doing things that are a little bit more pro- on the proactive side. And then it goes on to say the $1.52 budget outline, which in actuality serves only as a White House wish list, includes $52 billion for the Department of Homeland Security, uh, CISA's umbrella agency. And the CISA discretionary request amounts to 110 million increase from the 2021 enacted level. Uh cybersecurity takes a backseat in President Biden's proposed 2.25 trillion infrastructure package which is unlikely to garner bipartisan support with no money allocated to defend the country from cyber attacks on critical infrastructure targets. And I guess that's my point, right? That's where I was going with this. A, I mentioned it's gonna be really hard to get bipartisan support for a bill like this when cybersecurity is wrapped in infrastructure. And we already know that infrastructure is something that both sides do not see eye to eye on and how you go about doing it and how you go about paying for it. Um, And The last line is key to me. No money allocated to defend our country from cyber attacks on critical critical infrastructure targets. This only talks about the energy grid, Mm -hmm. right? And specifically to me, I see just electric, like the power grid. You know, we're not talking about other resources that this country needs to run in here. At least I'm not seeing it. Anything you want to add to that? Because... I mean, that to me, that's where the money needs to go. The money needs to go to figuring out how we can better secure everything that we have going on in this country.
1: Yeah, it's totally unacceptable. And this is why you, the business leader and business owner listening to this podcast and videocast cannot wait for the government to give you a solution. And you have to protect your business because they sure enough are not thinking about you or caring about you to, um, to make sure that your your infrastructure is is protected. That's right. That's right. And you know what? The army
0: of people who, and, I, and I'm I'm just gonna you know go to bat for my industry here. This isn't going to be solved by the government. There's not enough people in the government, and the people who have the talent to do this stuff don't want to work for the government. Right. Mm-hmm. So. It's going to start with the businesses taking care of their own stuff, but the people who are fighting the front lines of this war are the the IT people, IT companies, managed service providers of the world. We're the ones that have the most experience with this stuff. We're the ones who are battling this in private businesses every single day and probably have way more experience with it than most anybody who's talking about this at the level of the federal government. And I'm talking about people who work at CISA, who somehow built a reputation in five years, because this has only been a thing for about five years, of being a cybersecurity expert or being some kind of of security expert. I'd love to know what they've done in real life, in Mm -hmm. the real world that gives them these credentials. A lot of these people are just trained or they have a degree or something like that they have real no they have no real world experience defending networks getting people out of ransomware situations dealing with cyber criminals and negotiating ransomware payments there's very few people in the world that have that kind of experience right these are the people that you need to be talking to President Biden to figure this stuff out not the people who give you money not the people who, are responsible for the power grid and see free money coming their way. So they're helping you write legislation and executive orders to make these things happen for them. Of course, these companies want to hand out, but that's not why we should be doing this. And if we're doing this just to make other people happy because they've given to your campaign or that, you know, they just were the ones who who took work off your plate by writing a bill or an executive order, that's these, we're doing it for all the wrong reasons. And I'm just, I'm just a, getting a little annoyed at seeing all these different things being put out. And then you read between the lines or you really start to dig deep in what they mean. And they really don't solve the problem of defending the country from cyber attacks. And that's all I'm gonna say. So you got anything else you're gonna add?
1: No, not to this. I did put another um, another link on the private chat about uh, another article that I meant. I, I saw. Uh, the last one. Yeah. All right. So let me
0: fire this up. I just and- want to stop my share because I sure. have other things on my screen that I don't want to broadcast to the world. Sure. Give me one second. So, guys, start talking about it because I'll bring it up here in a
1: second. Sure, because uh, earlier in our conversation, you were talking about double extortion, and uh-huh. you know, and now we're seeing that there's a lawsuit that, and and I don't know how how uh, legit it's going to be and how strong it's going to be, but now you're having a class action lawsuit um, over consumers paying um, extra at the gas pump because of the Colonial um, gas pipeline. Right. Right.
0: So, um, of course, there's always going to be ambulance chasers and any Mm -hmm. kind of major attack like this. Right. So we have uh, a Ramon Dickerson uh, or Ramon. I don't know how you say that exactly, but he seeks to represent a nationwide class of consumers who allegedly paid a higher price for gasoline due to shortages caused by the ransomware attack in early May. The operators of the major petroleum artery colonial pipeline reportedly shut down major portions of it before paying hackers $4.4 million. Now, um, Dickerson, a resident of North Carolina, says he was forced to pay an exorbitant price of gasoline during the attack. Allegedly, between 45 and 68 percent of gas stations in affected areas reported outages during the shutdown. Dickerson claims that the, he he and other consumers were victims of Colonial Pipeline's failure to secure itself from hackers. Um, I don't know. I'll let you kind of give your two cents first and then I'll tell you what I think. Uh, is- yeah,
1: no, no, I, I definitely agree that it's an ambulance chaser, but it's just to point out that, okay, so let's forget about him suing the, the Colonial Pipeline, but what about for, if you're a doctor's office and now the, the the doctor's office patient's information is out on the web. Just imagine what can happen to your business if your data is breached and you're not taking the cybersecurity important, and now all of a sudden you have your clients, you have your vendors now trying to sue you because your information is out there. So that's kind of more the point I was trying to make of, of, yes, he could very well be an ambulance chaser, but you could have real-world scenarios where you have sensitive information of your client that's now out there and they they are um, understandably pissed and now going after you because you didn't take your cybersecurity seriously.
0: Yeah, so I mean I guess you're right, but this is kind of a bad example for that, right? Okay. But it, it it doesn't it doesn't change the fact that because you had a cyber attack, there's going to be downstream ripple effects on your partners and vendors, right? But here's the deal, Colonial Pipeline doesn't control the price at every gas station, right? They're all independently owned and run, right? So if I wanna raise my gas prices, I have the right to do that if I own a gas station. And Colonial wasn't calling these gas stations saying, you need to raise raise the price of gas. Mm-hmm. What really happened here is the gas companies knew that the supply was going to go down, so they started adjusting based on that, right? Because if they can make a little extra money with the gas that they currently had, knowing that they're going to run out, all they were doing was just trying to, you know, pad their bottom line, so to speak, right? They were just yeah. trying to make sure they were going to make up for maybe the two or three days that they weren't going to sell any gas. Mm-hmm. To me, that was a, a private decision. But that being said, if you do have a cyber attack on your business and that affects a, a vendor or supplier that you work with downstream and it causes them to be less efficient in the delivery of the product or service that they're selling or delivering to you, rightfully so, they're going to raise their price because it costs them more money to get that to you, right? So this claim, I don't know if it really is going to have any legs. Like it's, It's one of those things where it's like, yeah, there was a supply shortage. When there's a supply shortage and demand is still there, the prices will go up. Now, if you can determine that there was a concerted effort between the gas stations to do price gouging because of it, that's a completely different story. Mm-hmm. and That would be uh, lawsuits against the gas stations individually for collusion.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Colonial pipeline, you know, they're not raising their prices. They didn't raise their prices because of this. So I do I think their complaint is valid, but who they're going after is, is, is the wrong entity, right? Cause colonial is just going to come out and say, we don't have any control over gas stations, gas prices. And the fact that our delivery mechanism was breached and has we, we don't control whether or not the gas stations charge more or less when that happens. So that's just my kind of take on it. And I think that's where it's gonna go. But your point is valid in that when you do have a cyber attack in your business, it's going to affect more than just your business. And then when that happens, you have contracts in place. You have probably service level agreements, right? That you're gonna deliver certain things at a certain period of time. I'm sure Colonial Pipeline has contracts with these gas companies to say, we're gonna deliver a certain amount of fuel to you by a certain date, right? Mm -hmm. Um, That's where the lawsuit would happen, right? between the gas companies at the distributors and, and colonial pipeline, you know, for colonial not being unable to deliver the gas when they promised. Yeah. So anything else you want to add to this, but this was a good find. I, I, I do like it. I I love that people are just like, you know, trying to figure out ways to (laughs) get on on the gravy train of colonial's failure. Um, and quite frankly, the other thing, too, is, is like we don't know enough about the attack. And the, this attorney who filed this lawsuit, he doesn't know enough about the attack to say that they failed to secure themselves to the point
1: where there was gross negligence, right? You know? and, and one thing, too, is from my understanding, Colonial, they shut it down as like a pre, like a pre right. to make sure mm-hmm. it didn't spread. So, you know... <laughs> Yeah, right. And what Andre meant there is that the
0: the computers and the operating s- and the systems that delivered the fuel to where they needed to go, those systems were taken offline as a precaution. Once they knew that those uh, computers were not affected because they had the telemetry, Uh, And right there, the fact that they had the telemetry to determine that tells me that they had some level of cybersecurity in place, right? So, um, or maybe they just guessed, I don't know. Um, But the operations computers were not affected and that's how they were able to come back up. The computers that were affected, they are taking longer to come back up. I don't even, I I still think some of those are, are down or they're still working with, uh, a cybersecurity company to get those systems back up online, you know, the right way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, that's the big takeaway for me from this is that it, we even though that we know Colonial had this breach, the, those computers that were in charge of delivering the fuel and making sure the fuel gets there Take it offline as a, as a courtesy, as a like, hey, you know, let's just take everything offline. Let's get it all off the internet, off the networks, evaluate it. They determined they weren't breached. Let's bring them back up online. That's why it only took six days. If those computers were breached, yeah. they would have taken a lot longer. And my guess is we would have seen a zero on that $4 million. And it would have been more like $40 million, mm-hmm. not four. Because when you know you got a company... On their knees, basically in a chokehold, because they can't deliver their product until the systems are cleaned up. You're not asking for four million dollars. Yeah. So. So that's it. Are we good? Yeah, we're good. Cool. All right, everyone. Thanks for uh, thanks for listening. We're gonna we're gonna end the show today for our uh, this week. We had two shows at you, episode twenty two and twenty three. Mm -hmm. and uh next week we might have a guest join us i don't know we'll see so um next week we'll be recording again so look forward to episode 24 remember to uh rate our podcast on your favorite podcast platform and share us out to your friends and family uh you guys are doing a great job of that we had way more downloads than we've ever had on our last episode um talking in the hundreds and we've never had hundreds of downloads Mm -hmm. in our, in our, in our, in on one podcast episode, um, since we've started doing this. So we appreciate it. Thank you. And if there's anything you would like us to talk about or, um, go into on this channel, head over to YouTube or Facebook type in security squawk, uh, podcast, we will come up. You can drop a comment into, uh, any of those posts that we have or send us a direct message and we will uh, take your question or your idea and put it into one of our future shows. So thanks a lot,
1: everyone. We'll see you on the other side. Take care. Bye-bye.